Hello lovelies, sorry for the delay in getting this week's podcast out to you, bit of a glitch in the matrix, but we're back on, and as luck would have it, it's our Halloween episode right in time for Halloween. Enjoy! Welcome to the podcast that takes a light-hearted look at lesser-known London stories, with your own personal blue badge professional tourist guides. She's Fiona. And she's Alex. And this is the Ladies in London podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hi, Fee. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yes. Good. Good. <laughs> good. Right, well, that's yeah. it. Let's crack on. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm back from my little holiday, my jaunt to Greece, which was very nice. Um, yeah, it was, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but I was a bit apprehensive about going on my own. Um, and it was a bit of a challenge. But it was lovely. We had some rubbish weather um, for, well, most well, about four days of the time. And I had three days of nice weather. Um, but I tell you, um, I right, so the people who listen to this podcast and who follow on Instagram are just the absolute loveliest humans. You all are. You absolutely, you're amazing. Just even for coming and listening to the podcast, listening to our um, insane meanderings. But I have to say... Um, <laughs> A few months ago, when I was looking at um, booking something to go away, I asked my Instagram followers because I was getting all in a tiz and I couldn't figure out where. And um, one of my followers, called a lovely lady called Bethan, emailed and said, oh, here's a, a deal that I've booked. Have a look, see, you know, that might work for you. And it, a similar deal um, mm-hmm. worked. So I, I went to Greece and she was there at the same time. And I have to say, Bethan, oh. thank you so much. Because on two occasions in that week, Bethan came and saved me from myself together with her lovely friend, uh, friend Grace. She saved me from myself, came and picked me up. Um, we went the first time we went, it was a bit of a rainy day. We went for a wander and, and a coffee. And the second time uh-huh. they drove me down to this gorgeous beach and we just swam and chatted. And it was oh, honestly lovely. just absolutely wonderful. So Bethan, thank you so much. I've got a lovely new friend. Um, and what an absolute treat. And, and yeah, so thank you. And I feel a lot more rested now. Yeah, which is good. <laughs> being j- just being somewhere else, yeah, has that space to just go ah ha ha. And <gasps> yeah, and I tell you, my and... you know how Greece has always got loads of cats everywhere. Oh yeah, um, yeah there yeah. were a few cats around the hotel, but there was one cat who had had kittens, and there were five oh. kittens who were. Oh, yeah. I swear, I saw so I saw cute. Pictures. They were practically edible. Oh. <laughs> And there were two little black ones and three little tabby ones. And I I had this a couple of like sundresses. So they, you know, went down to the floor with long, long dress. And I'd, I'd just go up and I'd sit on the wall with them and they'd immediately go, oh, fun. And they all went under my dress and like kind of played with it. And it was just, I just this kind of collection of kittens under my dress for like an hour every night. It was so lovely. It was so cute. But um, but yeah, it was it was a, a nice trip. So Yeah. yeah fabulous so hooray Yay. and i didn't uh, go too stark raving mad on my own um although bethan de- definitely saved me from myself a little bit there yeah um, i think any longer i might have gone a bit a bit doolally but we mm-hmm. yeah we managed we managed how are you yeah. anyway <laughs> good good yeah what have um, you been up to well lots of lots of house stuff still but the end is in sight Yay! Listeners, you'll be delighted to hear this as almost as much as I am, probably. Um, uh, yeah, we've got running water in our bathroom now, Fantastic. which makes the whole thing seem more feasibly like a house rather than just a collection. You can of have your yearly bath again now. Yes, 
I'm, yeah, I might... It's about that time of the year, isn't it? Yeah. Um, who was it? Elizabeth I said, I have a bath every was it every six months, whether I need one or not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But if I have a nice, nice bath to have one in, I might be more likely to have more baths. I'm looking mm. forward to that. More fragrant Fiona. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I just thought. I, so, I today I, I've got I've got some friends staying with me at the moment, and I popped into the newly refurbished um, National Portrait Gallery. Uh-huh. Um, and I have to say, I mean, it's. Have you been? Yes. It's gorgeous. Yes. But I got very very excited. I've always loved the National Portrait Gallery because. You walk around and you go, oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that person. Yeah. And I had an absolute like. <laughs> whale of a time today finding myriad people who we've talked about on this podcast. Oh. Um, and in the next uh, day or two, I'm going to put some pictures up on um, socials because, I mean, everyone's, so I'm just going to, I'm sort of flicking through a few now. Edith Cavill. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Barbara Hepworth. We've got Nora Knight Khan, a lovely photo of her there. Yep. Um, oh, and also I've been picking up ideas for uh, future podcasts as well. Very good. Uh, Beatrix Potter, Mary Seacole, Isambard Kingdom Brunel. In fact, there's a really good one of Mark Brunel, uh-huh. um, which is oh, yes. got the Thames Tunnel in the background. So yes. I'm going to put that up. I know um, that one. Sarah Forbes Bonetta or Amoba Ina um, is in there as well. Um, so I got very excited. Lord Byron, mm-hmm. like so many people. Um, really, really cool to see. So I was, I was getting a little bit excitable. Um, so I'll put some of those up just to show you yeah. uh, what it's all about. I need to pop in there actually because the Westminster, the, the interior exam for Westminster is in the portrait gallery. And ah. it, it's like, slightly worrying because it's quite busy in there with it's people very bu- i've never seen it so busy no and it always used to be just relatively nice and calm and yeah but it's it's, it's going to be a little bit more challenging i think this year because it's yeah. busier but um i'm looking forward to getting stuck into it and yeah absolutely finding the- some fascinating people in there and i've got a few more that i've added to my list hey. for future podcasts excellent <laughs> we did get Mm. Uh, we got one response and I didn't I forgot to look up who this came from but there was one person on the back of last time I'm remembering not last Mm. week last time to who said yes yes more of um, Bess of Hardwick okay yes so the possibility of an ongoing but there was something else that caught my eye that came up from that as well and I was like oh maybe that's a tangent I want to go on so there's there's other ways that we might go to carry on I love it Love it. I'm I'm very much up for that. Yes. <laughs> and there was a couple of other emails that came in ages ago and I didn't get around to talking about them last time. And I wanted to go backtrack to them. So uh Eve sent Hi, Eve. um uh after the Piccadilly Circus episode. Mm-hmm. Um, sent a photo from last time she was in London of, of Piccadilly one evening. It's a lovely photo going up Regent Street in the light and the dark and things. Oh, nice. But she also said, have we done a podcast about Admiralty Arch? And I, no, no, we have not. And she, I ask because my late aunt told me that when stationed in London during World War II, she worked right by there. Ooh, I thought she okay. might be mistaken. Could the US right. Army stroke air... That's an auto, that's a typo. Air 
command have had an HQ somewhere near Admiralty Arch or elsewhere in central London 1943. So I think um, certainly somewhere nearby. Um, and I meant to in the mean in the in since that email arrived, I was going to go and go, yeah, I'll go and have a little look. And obviously I haven't managed to do anything. So <laughs> lovely listeners, if you know of where that might have been near Admiralty Arch, get in touch. But otherwise, we might come back to that. Yeah, that might be fun. Um, and the arch itself is become is yet another building becoming a hotel. Um, is it? Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh yes, it is, isn't it? Sorry, I'm going mad. I was thinking of um. Talking what was I thinking which, of? I tell you where we should arch. be going. Anyway, where should we, should we be going? going to raffles? To the Owo cocktail. To the Owo's. Honestly, right? Can people stop giving hotels stupid names? <laughs> it's the Owo because it's the old war office, which sounds great. The Owo just sounds stupid. You get in a cab. Where you, you go, where are you going? The Owo. The what? The Owo. The Owo. The, what the now? old war office. Great name. Yeah. The Owo. Stupid. Honestly, stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Also, while we're on the subject of stupid hotel names, the old American embassy is becoming a Rosewood yes. Hotel. So far, so good. Oh, don't get me started on this. I wasn't going to bring this up because it's very guide nerdy, but... But, but so there's, there is there. already a Rosewood Hotel in London and it's yeah. quite near Chancery Lane. I and know. they have chosen to call the new one Chancery. Rosewood, Rosewood Chancery. Rosewood Chancery. That just so Who had that idea? cab drivers are going to deposit people in the wrong places. or what, Like, it's the obviously... Cab drivers, no, no. no badge. Guides are going to turn up in the wrong place. Yes. Drivers are going to turn. Clients are going to turn up in the wrong place. They yes. are so silly. Or indeed, very quickly they'll start having <laughs> conversations that go at the chancery. Yes, but which one? But the Rosewood. Yeah, but which one? But the chancery. But what do you yeah. mean the chance? Do you mean the one that's there, or do you? Uh, uh, oh. It's not. It's not a good look. No. <laughs> no. But we should still go. For, we should still go, we should for, still go for, a, for a Singapore sling in the raffles, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. The other email I want to come back to was from Kate. Hi, Kate. Do said i'm quite new to this party very much enjoying it following oh, okay. a recommendation on mumsnet oh oh Thank we've you, made mumsnet. it to mumsnet oh we're mumsnet. on mumsnet we've made it Fee. <laughs> <laughs> oh where we're also on the londonist are we yes a few a little while not uh they do what's it called it's called they have a, a weekly email that comes out which is a sort of deeper dive or something okay that you can sign up to separate from their other pre-existing things and they did do a thing of roundup of london podcasts and we were there oh my god yeah. wow oh my goodness that's, i didn't know about that that's yeah. exciting um and i meant to i meant to put it in big letters somewhere <laughs> and then you didn't, and didn't. <laughs> of course fair enough anyway uh kate says when you were talking about london bridge in the frost fairs episode I had this weird flashback to a cartoon from my childhood where the arches popped up one at a time and then the houses on top. After a bit of Googling, I found it was a Disney short called The Truth About Mother Goose. Do you know okay. it? So no. obviously, I went and did a bit of Googling as well and I found yep. a version of it. Um, I could send you the link. We could put the link somewhere. I think let's put the link on our socials. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the version I found was embedded in another blog so it doesn't start right at the beginning but it's got most of it but it's a it's a a cartoon that has three uh three sort of um nursery rhymes mm -hmm. and it's kind of the truth behind the nursery rhymes right so mary mary quite contrary based on i didn't know this one do you know um 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I did. Hang on, hang on. Mary, um, it's is it Bloody Mary? No, nearly. Mary, um, Mary Queen of Scots. Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So there's a little cartoon all about how about how that relates and things. And then there's um, well, there's London Bridge is falling down. Mm-hmm. And another, weirdly, none of them seem to be Mother Goose, but the whole thing is titled okay. The Truth About Mother Goose. Um, and I have to say that the historical accuracy, I think, <laughs> leaves there's a, little a few to be desired. little issues. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just work here and there. There's like, yep, when you're listening to something, you go, yep, 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 good, yep, yep. Whoa, no, no. Okay, yes, yes, no. <laughs> But it was it was delightful. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll put that on our socials somewhere. And, yes. Uh, everyone can have. A so, thank you, Kate, for sharing thanks, that, Kate. and we will share Happiness. it onwards. And um, thanks to Mumsnet for uh, and, yeah. featuring us. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, let's crack on with this week's one. Absolutely. So, which is, um, well, which... now I had planned to do something else, and then I kind of thought, well, we're very close to. Halloween, aren't we? And then uh-huh. I got a message from Dolph, um, Dolph Souza, who's one of our listeners, also a friend of Emily's, which is how I met him, but he listens to the podcast, which I didn't know. So hi, Dolph. And he said, are you doing a Halloween one this year? Because they're always fun. Yeah. Probably should, shouldn't we? Yeah. So we're doing a Halloween one. Yay. And well, I'm going actually, for a ghost I, story. I was going to say, rather than yay, what I should say is, woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> the, the Fiona sound effect machine is back. <laughs> Um, great. All right. Well, this is going to go well, isn't it? <laughs> so um, I am doing um, the, a story about the ghost of a man called Joseph Sellis. Do you know this story? I don't know it from that name. The Duke of Cumberland's valet. That bit rings do. very faint bells. Okay. So I think once again... It's, uh, yeah. I'm surprising you with a story. Now, I have to say, listeners, you probably don't know this, but Fiona's one of those people who, well, you probably do know this, knows everything, (laughs) knows absolutely everything. And every time, in the entire time I've known Fiona, which is what, 10 (laughs) years now? Oh, geez, that's horrifying. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Every time I've I've said to Fiona, oh, I found out this really cool thing or this about this person the other day, and and I'd say so and so, she's like, yes, I know, and then she and then she doesn't just say I know it, she then goes and also and comes out and like not in any nasty way. This is not nasty at all. It's just sheer joy of sharing information. We'll then come out with facts that you never knew or never come across, and every single time she's like, I know, and the best bit is dot dot dot, and it's always amazing. Like the fact is always amazing. So the fact that you did not know the Boy Jones story yes. has made me so happy. Well, I, I think, think that is the first time ever. I think also this stems from when we were doing the Blue Badge course and we did the City of London walk. And I remember a particular time of something where you said something and then I said something and you went, how do you know all this stuff? And I thought, <laughs> because I've been a city guide for six years. <laughs> so just, you know, I've had a head start. <laughs> And you have a very curious mind as well, so you do go go digging and go down rabbit holes. Yes, yeah, I think which true. we all do. But you seem to, but you you retain the information, which I do not. So you know, you've got one up on me, right there. So whenever I tell you a story that you don't know, it makes me yeah. very happy. So if this is another one, then great, yay! Now we are going to um, 
very central London, mm -hmm. this one. Uh, St. James's Palace. Have you ever been into St. James's Palace? Not inside, no. No, so St. No. James's Palace, for those who don't know, um, is very close to Buckingham Palace. If you are coming down the Mall from Trafalgar Square to Buckingham Palace, on the right-hand side is this beautiful Tudor red brick building, which is quite tricky to see in the summer because th there's lots of trees in front of it and... You know, it's a bit, you have to kind of go around the side and have a look at it. Yeah. Um, but it's a palace that is now. I always remember <laughs> watching an episode of QI, and they uh, the question was, "What is the most senior palace in the royal family?" Yeah. And everyone was getting everything except, some, and I just went, "Oh, St James's Palace," because it came to you know we know, we know these guys, and you think, "Oh, everyone knows that," and yeah. they didn't, and I felt very very. Smart. And I mean, actually, the um, very notion that palaces have a seniority list, I know, in a way, you know. It's a bit bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's not open to the public, crucially. It's not ever been open to the public. I have been in, though. Yeah. I had a feeling you mm. might say that. Because <laughs> you know Have people. I told you the story? No. No. Okay. I'm trying... No. Yes. This is, no. This, is, this is total showing off now. Obviously, those people who've listened to the podcast for a while know that my dad works for well the queen now the king um he'll be finishing in uh, december when he turns 70 so um as the time is nearly up um but there was there's one service a year and I, I can't for the life of me remember what it is where the queen was usually always supposed to be present and if she couldn't be asked to go uh, <laughs> she would send somebody along as her basically representative of her and one year my dad was that representative mm -hmm. Um, and so he asked, my, my mum could go, you know, he got, was able to, to go to this and he asked if I could go as well. And he, I was told, yes. So I went into St. James's palace. I went into the chapel that was in there. Um, I saw King Henry VIII's footprint, which is basically a divot on the wall where Ooh. he's supposed to have put his foot on to kind of shuffle underneath the arches and stuff. Can I, can I just check? Um, can I just check? Is this the mm. chapel that's in the palace rather than the chapel that's over yes. the road? Yes. So it's the chapel yes. that's in the yes. palace, so this is, actually inside. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. More um, but the best bit about this, and this is the really nerdy thing, is then Dad had to then go back to Buckingham Palace afterwards to kind of, uh, like, essentially, I don't quite know why he had to do it, but because he was the representation of the Queen in that, he had the, uh, that thing, he had to go back to the palace and went in the Queen's car, which was, I, mean, I don't really know cars, but one, you know, she's got those couple, like a Rolls and a Bentley, hasn't she, or a couple of them. Um, yeah. And it was one of these, I think it was with the Bentley. And... Um, so my mum was in there as well. And my, my dad said, oh, can my, can my daughter come too? Because, you know. And so I got to travel in the Queen's Bentley <laughs> from, Kens from St. James's Palace, down the Mall and into Kens um, Buckingham Palace at the time of the guard change. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone was looking in going, who's that? Who's that? What, what are you I was, doing? I was waving. waving. Yes, I was of waving. course you were waving. <laughs> 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 so somewhere there'll be people with photos of me going, who on earth is that insane woman? Well, she seems to be waving. She's in the Queen's car, maybe. Hilarious. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's my, my little claim. Yeah. But anyway, so St. James's Palace, let's get back to the... Um, so that, to that's the, another the thing I was thinking. People might know it um, from, from William and Kate's wedding. It's where they yeah. drove in Charles's open-top car. They went from Buckingham Palace to St James's, or vice versa, or something. So it's it's know. a short, very short drive from Buckingham Palace. Blimey, kind of. Well done, if anyone remembers that yeah. bit. That's, that seems like the most scintillating part, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the press going, oh, they're driving ten feet. Yeah. Um, anyway, right. So we're in St James's Palace. 
And we're going back about 200 years to 1810. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, We're in May. So we're not Halloween time, but we're in May. And um, it's the early hours of the morning. Yeah. And the Duke of Cumberland, who is the son, the fifth son of George III, uh, he's Queen Victoria's uncle, one of her many uncles. Mm-hmm. Um, he is asleep in his bedroom. Um, and he is woken from his sleep by being basically bludgeoned around the head. Oh. And he starts screaming. Okay. Now, the fact that it's the Duke of Cumberland is quite interesting because he is one of the people in the royal family at that time who was caught up in quite a few lurid <gasps> scandals and affairs and things like this. But the one thing that I suppose ironically haunted him more than any other is this story that I'm going to tell you about the death of his valet, Joseph Sellis. So blood curdling screams rip through the palace and they're all coming from the room, the bedchamber of the Duke of Cumberland. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read you a little bit from a report from the times on the 1st of June. And it says on Wednesday, the Duke of Cumberland dined at Greenwich. His Royal Highness returned to town about eight o'clock in an open carriage and four. The Duke then went to the concert for the benefit of the Royal Society of Musicians. His Royal Highness returned to his apartments in St. James's Palace about half past 12 o'clock and went to bed about one. At two o'clock, he was awoken by the assassin when he was sound asleep. So he gets walloped over the head. Now, um, I've read a couple of differing reports as to how much he was injured. Some say that his head was split open and you could see his brain. Others say that he it was just a clonk around the head and a few kind of superficial cuts. Okay. Slightly unclear. Right. Um, there were also some reports that he went off down the corridors searching for his assailant as well. So uh, it's unclear. But he, what we do know is he was hit with the, the flat bit of the blade rather, uh, a flat bit of the sword rather than the blade. Oh, okay. Because if it was the blade, he would have been in a lot bigger. Yeah. Uh, yeah issue it seems he was hit around the head about twice um Mm -hmm. and he struggled up from his bed and he starts yelling he starts yelling for his for his valet Uh, he had a couple of valets and the guy who was on duty that night was a guy called cornelius neil um that he 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 looks around the room there's nobody there at all um and he but he notices that there is a lamp which is lit in his room which he'd Nothing had been lit when he went to sleep. Yep. On the table is a letter covered in blood and he thinks, he panics and he runs for the door. And as he does so, he's struck on the thigh with something heavy and he falls. So he's fallen in his room and he calls for his page. He's screaming out for him and he doesn't arrive. And in his room, he had a little room off to the side, which was known as the yellow room. And this is basically his kind of uh, his closet, his wardrobe where he'd Mm -hmm. get dressed. And it was the last thing that he would lock when he got into bed at night. So he'd, you know, change or whatever, lock it up, get into bed. And he notices that the door is wide open. And so he carries on shouting for his his valet, his page, and he screams, I am murdered. I am murdered. (laughs) It's a bit of a over which is not because it? it's totally not. No. But anyway, no. also but if, you're, yeah. if you're murdered, you can't scream <laughs> like that, you know. Anyway, um, I am Cornelius Neal wounded. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've got a paper cut. Oh no. Um, anyway, 
Cornelius Neal arrives and uh, the Duke says, there's an attacker. There's somebody in my bedroom. Yeah. Um, they arm themselves with pokers. Now, this is where we're not, I'm not sure how badly he was injured because some reports say that he then goes out on the hunt with Neil and some say he stays in his room. Not quite clear. Yeah. But Cornelius Neal, at the very least, possibly with the Duke of Cumberland as well, start creeping along the passage and Neil suddenly steps on something. And it is the sword that right. he's been hit with and it's obviously covered in blood and he notices that the sword it's not just any old sword it is the duke's own sword uh-huh. and he knows this because he has recently sharpened it so he know and obviously he's his page so he knows what these things yep. are like yeah um there had been it seems like there was his uniform and his sword had been prepared for some kind of military review which hadn't happened and the uniform had mm-hmm. been put away in the closet but mm-hmm. the sword had been kept in his room right so the orders go to secure the premises and a search takes place of yep. the palace. In the room, in the bedchamber of the Duke of Cumberland, they find uh, this lantern, the key to the closet door mm-hmm. and a pair of slippers that belonged to his other valet, Joseph Sellis. Right. Now, Sellis can't be found. You know, by all, by this point, they've roused all of the, all of the, the, the household team, um, all of the, the maids, the pages everybody is around and Celis is nowhere to be found yeah and so they think where is he this is looking they're a bit suspicious. worried about him but they're also thinking mm, he's the one mm-hmm. who's who's tried to you know kill the duke so they start descending on Celis. now what it seems like is that all of the doors along the corridor to Celis's apartment were wide open so it looks like someone's been looking for an escape and then they get to Celis's room yeah the door to his apartment is not just closed it is locked and they can't get in. But there's another route round to another door on the other side. So they run around the other side and they the door is unlocked on this side. They carefully push open the door because they don't know if he's armed, if he's, you know, been backed into a yep. corner and he's going to come out fighting. They don't know. And what they saw shocked them to their core. <gasps> so on in the room it was Celis's bed. And Celis yep. is lying on the bed. And he is dying in a gurgling pool of his own blood. His throat's been been slashed. Yeah. And his throat hasn't just been slashed, it's been cut so deeply that the spine has stopped the blade. His head is nearly severed from his body. So this is a real, this is full on. Yeah. There is blood everywhere, all over the bed and the furniture. There's blood in the the Duke's room. There's blood down the corridor where um, Neil has stepped in the blood and everyone else has trodden it all over the place and there's handprints and all that sort of stuff. So it's a pretty gruesome affair, but this room is covered in blood, soaking into the bed, the furniture. And there's uh, a wash basin in the room with bloodied water in it as well. Right. Now the straight razor that has been used to slash his throat is not near his hand. It's several feet away. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is the scene that that we are uh, presented with. Um, Joseph Sellers fairly obviously dies shortly after they're going in. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's already, you know, pretty much on his way out. He has been murdered. Um, he has been murdered. And <laughs> or, uh, unlike, or, unlike the Duke, who's yeah. frankly, you know. Have a slight graze. <laughs> <laughs> Tis but a flesh wound. Um <laughs> Anyway, so who is who's Joseph Sellers, right? We so at this point he he's been murdered. The likelihood is, well, everyone's thinking he's 
the perpetrator. He's the guy who's tried to kill the Duke. So here's Joseph Sellis. Now, um, Joseph Sellis was born in Corsica. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd lived in New York and he'd been in service uh, to the Duke for around five years. He was super popular. Um, the Duke really respected him and uh, trusted him. Mm-hmm. And apparently he was one of only two of the household um, valets who were trusted with the key to Queen Charlotte's bedchamber. Um the, the Duke entrusted him with lots of ceremonial duties. And when he went away to Windsor and other places, Joseph Sellis would often go with him. Um, and yeah, he was he was a trusted member of the household. Mm-hmm. So this po- so this this case comes to court um, pretty quickly. Right. And the, the court, the, the trial is very quick. The jury verdict is that it is suicide. It's a very, very quick trial. Yeah. Um. One of the things that is said at the trial, there's a housemaid who says that she's found a pistol behind Celis's bed. But Cornelius Neal says, actually, that's mine. Um, and the reason he, he said it was his is that he said, well, I, I got a pistol because Celis and I fell out about a year ago. Um, he said he had it in for me. Um, he accused me of stealing from the household and fiddling my expenses and threatened to take it to the Duke. And I basically was really worried that, you know, so I, I got it for protection. Um, he then said he, he, that, well, he says what it looks like to me is that Joseph Sellis had planned to murder the Duke and frame me for it. Right. And that's kind of what that's what he said. Yeah. Um, and so everyone thinks, well, he'd attempted to take to murder his boss and taken his own life when it went wrong. Yeah. Now, what it comes out during the court case is that Joseph Sellers, this this guy who has been very, very trusted and has a great, you know, um, career behind him. He, when he lived in New York, he uh, was in the employ of a man called Mr. Church. And Mr. Church had been robbed. His desk uh, had been broken into, a lockable desk, and a hammer had been taken to it. And quite a lot of money and some items had been stolen. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he'd got it into his head that it was a member of the household who had done it. Right. And he says that Joseph Sellis had a hammer that matched or seemed to match the damage that had been done and basically said, look, I think it's Joseph Sellis. And he, he didn't have enough evidence to bring him up to court on it, yeah. but he fired him. Right. Although bizarrely seemed to give him quite a generous settlement. So I don't quite know yeah. what went on there, but yeah. a bit of an odd okay. one. Okay. And also when he's in New York, he was known to be a very strong supporter of American independence and quite as well as, well as being quite a big critic of George III, who, bear in mind, is the, the father of the Duke of Cumberland. Yeah. So all this comes out and this starts to kind of blacken his name a little bit. And people are like, oh, there's something going on here. Now, what I find really interesting about this is it seems like the jury in this case came to the palace to see the scene mm-hmm. of where everything happened, including... The bloody footprints that were left by Neil as he went to find Celis, and Celis's body that was still there. What? And they saw that too. They saw his body that was still on the bed, how, covered in blood. How, how quick? So, I mean, this must have been pretty quick. It super seems like, like yeah, really quick. Yeah, yes. it seems like it must have been. So, yeah, he's he's still there. Now, one of the things. So earlier, I don't know if you noticed. There's a couple of little bits that that I mentioned about the crime scene that were maybe not don't fit in with this theory of suicide one is the water in the wash basin mm-hmm. and the other is the razor yeah the straight razor so there is a question about the straight razor um 
if because they said oh he, he you know he cut he cut his, slit his own throat right and they say the straight razor wasn't near his hand it was a couple of feet away yeah and one of the sergeants who'd been present at the crime scene said oh yeah no i picked it up from near his hand and then i put it down somewhere else so he changes the whole crime scene yeah now is that true is that not true we don't know yeah um the other thing as well if you i mean obviously i i I know nothing about this but if you did cut your own throat you might drop the razor and it might fall away so so it it, you know if it's a bit away from his hand that might not be impossible anyway Mm. um i mean just the like cutting your own throat that that severely that seems like that's going to be quite an undertaking well this is it why would you cut your throat to the point of it all the way back to the spine you're not really going to be i mean i don't know if that's even physically possible whether you'd (laughs) be able to do that you know in terms of once you've cut your throat and you're losing blood i can't imagine that you're going to just keep i don't know but it just feels like it it feels like a difficult almost sever your own head it feels like a very difficult thing um, and this is something that, that so yeah, the, the court case goes through and it, they say, oh yeah, suicide. But then there's all sorts of rumours that start circulating. And bearing in mind, you know, the Duke of Cumberland's got a bit of a reputation for being, you know, a little bit of, of a dodgy mm-hmm. one. Um, people are kind of going, yeah, so where would you cut your throat all the way back? And then also there's this story about the bloodied water in his hand yeah, basin. Yeah, that's So what would you do? Cut your throat, then get up and wash your hands? Like... Firstly, why? And secondly, that's not you're not going to do no. that. So people are going, there's not, this doesn't add yeah. up. And because it doesn't add up, there is lots of speculation about the Duke of Cumberland's involvement yeah. in it. Now, the Duke, the Duke recovers, um, impressive given whatever his wounds <laughs> he had, maybe small, maybe deep, I've we don't know. I've my fingernail. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, now a splinter. Um <laughs> Poor Duke, poor I'm Duke. sure it was terrible. Yes, um, yes poor Duke. <laughs> but the the public are quite enthralled by this this whole story, yes. and they murder start at the palace. The palace. And, or yeah, I know murder at the palace, suicide, or yeah, and they're let into the palace in small groups to come and see the scene. Now Joseph <laughs> Sellers' body has gone by now, but it, the blood and the rooms were untouched. So by the sounds of it, people are going in and actually having a little I mean, look. This is suddenly St James's Palace becomes kind of. Mandrisorn's Chamber of Horrors for briefly. I, I mean, it's weird that whenever anything happens, then oh, let the public in to look. It, I know, but also yeah. this period as well. We're talking eighteen ten. This is the period where everybody. Lo- I mean, you know, you get your penny dreadfuls. You get all of yeah. your, you know, anything that's 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 happening that is a bit gruesome. I mean, even now, everyone loves, you know, yeah, yeah, true crime and murder documentaries they didn't have and all that. Podcasts sort of about serial killers, did they? Back no, then. or so, Netflix you know, or anything you, like you that. You have to go to see the crime scene in person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, you take it where you can get it, don't you? Yeah. So the gossip that starts coming out is that. There's a bit of a cover-up, a, t- a talk of a cover-up happening. Celis's yeah. wife as well, she won't accept it. She says there's no reason why he would have killed himself. He was in good spirits. He was about to head off to Windsor with the Duke. He was looking forward yeah. to that. Did, did, did she live there as well? I don't know. I don't know. I suspect possibly Presumably not, but I, not. I have to say I don't know. Because yeah. yeah. they had kids as well, so okay. I would think so probably would, not. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, and she does actually say you know to the jury can you take a look at neil that i think he may well have killed my husband and framed mm. him 
for this attack on the Duke. Yeah. Um, and she says, you know, I know that my husband kind of questioned his, well, you know, talked to him about um, his finances being a bit dodgy, you know, that he was ripping off the household. So clearly whatever he had, whatever claims he'd levelled at Neil, he had discussed with his wife as well. Yeah. And she said, you know, so he, he's he got, he's got reason, he's got motive there. Yeah. Um, go on. Why would, why would Neil... <laughs> have told the jury about that. If it was Neil who killed Celis, mm. why would he put himself in the... Like, that gives yeah. himself a, 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 a motive. So you yeah. think you keep quiet about it in that case? Yeah, you mm. might. I don't know. Mm, the confusion grows. The plot thickens. Yes. That, that's the, the phrase thickens. I was looking for. <laughs> confusion grows. <laughs> that, that, uh, that famous phrase. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. Um, oh, also, I should say that um, uh, Celis's hands were clean as well. Yeah. So yeah, I just it, it doesn't seem to add up to me. No. Anyway. That, yeah. So there's rumours that say that the Duke and Celis were lovers and it had all gone horribly wrong, that mm. Neil had started um, at the palace and Celis found them in bed together and it all went wrong. And this was actually printed in a paper. Right. And the Duke of Cumberland sued for libel and he won. Okay. And there was a later, there was another um, uh, suicide later on, a few years later, where also in the palace and also one of the Duke of Cumberland's staff and it resurfaced in pictures of um, three men including the Duke of Cumberland and this this other guy who'd um, taken his own life um, as sort of gay lovers basically came out in a paper and, and the whole thing started up oh, again okay. so th this, this sort of spectre of Celis kind of keeps going yeah. on throughout um, the Duke's life there's um other scenarios are that there's one that says that Celis had found the Duke in bed with his wife and there was a struggle and he'd been killed to stop him exposing Cumberland's adultery. Another says that Cumberland had seduced Celis's daughter. Right. Um, and then Celis confronted him and the Duke had him silenced forever. We Basically know. every, it, you know, every you possible down the... option. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and needless to say, the story of this murder basically follows the Duke. Yeah. For the rest of his life. And so whenever there's anything, you know, he gets into trouble or whatever, this comes up. Oh, well, mm, yeah, yeah. But the reason I'm including it as a sort of Halloween-y one is because <gasps> Joseph Sellis has never left the palace. <gasps> his ghost is seen at the palace and he's been known to wander the halls Ooh. of St. James's Palace. Um, there's also a smell that goes with the ghost, which is a, the, the smell of fresh blood, that kind of metallic -y smell. Nice. And um, members of the of the people who work there, members of the people, who work, <laughs> members of the staff, that's what I'm after. Members of staff, come on, the Alex. Confusion yeah, the, the confusion grows. The confusion grows. So members of staff have seen him as a sort of shadowy figure wandering yeah. about the palace, often accompanied with this, this smell of fresh blood. Um, Palace staff have had items, you know, objects that have been moved mm -hmm. um, and they've often felt uneasy as if they're being watched. And apparently there's there's a couple of ghosts in St. James's Palace, it, it said, and, and apparently it's very much, um, you know, new people at the start and they say, there's, I have, I've seen this and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's the ghost of such and such. Yeah. But the particular ghost of Joseph Sellis that I would not want to encounter is in the room where Sellis died. Right. So 
I believe now that that room is a kind of guest room. Okay. And staff and guests have claimed to feel chilly in various places in that mm-hmm. room and report as if they're feeling watched. But a couple of people over time have woken up in bed in the middle of night, the night to see uh-huh. Joseph Sellers propped up in bed next to them, uh-huh. mouth open, and a head uh-huh. sort of lolling, which has been nearly severed from his body, covered in blood. And I think if you woke up in the yeah. middle of the night and that was the ghost that you were faced with, I mean, I don't know about no, you, but I'd be, I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd, I'd be straight down the mall of me on yes, crackers. I'd be I'm, out. I'm sitting with my back to the door, kind of thinking, I'm just going to check behind, you know, I'm going to feel the hairs <laughs> on the floor. I can see someone coming in behind yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. Joseph Sellis uh, stays within so the we, palace, and... but we don't. He doesn't. He doesn't like run down the corridor or there's nothing there's nothing in the way that he's seen that solves the mystery. No. No. Okay. No. Oh. But you can imagine that if, you know, if you believe in ghosts yeah. and and if you believe that 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 they come back because they have unfinished business, yeah. then you bet your bum that Joseph Sellers has got unfinished business. Yeah. Because that case has stayed that way that it was it was suicide. Right. And no one has ever been brought to justice for it. Now for my money and I, listeners, let us know what you think about this. Yeah. For my Especially money, if you have it any sounds very implausible. Because obviously Alex and I discussing the intricacies of can you cut your own throat without getting your hands bloody. Yes. We don't yes. really know what we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> We've strayed into a realm. We rarely know what we're talking about at the best of times. Um, but for my money, it doesn't sound very plausible. That he no. And the hasty, the hasty inquest, I think that's quite a suspicious mm. like so hasty that the boy well, is still yeah i mean you i mean okay so i i have read that in a couple true. of places again veracity of that who yeah. knows whether or not that is just a bit of but i mean that, that's what I think, i've read in a few I think places i'm just remembering also that i think in other cases i've read similar things that it's it's a much mm. less formal process and it's much more uh speedy than, yeah, than yeah. today's equipment. And also, I mean, the, the entire case but, was very speedy and these things were kind of expedited. And also, when you talk about royalty in courts, yeah. they often like to get it done and dusted as quickly and quietly as possible. And I think we... I feel like we've spoken about this recently about a court case that was sort of, you know, done and hushed up a little yeah. bit. So I can't think who, who it was now, but... Was it the boy um, Jones? Because you don't want to... Uh, yeah, yeah, it was actually. It was yeah. the boy Jones. Because they don't want to bring the the royal family into the kind of grubby disrepute. Yes. And it's going to happen to a certain extent, but do it stuff. quickly and then at least yeah. get it done. Exactly. Yeah. Get it done, exonerate them, and then we'll crack yeah. on. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't sound... Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. That's not a ghost that you... Uh, no, that's not one I would... Can, want. Um, can I... Mm. So, there is a ghost story that I often tell at the end of a ghost walk. Please, and it's nothing to do with the go- wherever I am. It's nothing to do with this because it's it was a, a family and a couple in Wales. But right, um, so it, it comes from a book actually. There's a vicar in Wales who used to go and do blessings and things like you know very low key exorcism type things, and he said he was profoundly unsensitive. 
but he would just go if people were not quite happy in their house or it felt weird or whatever and he'd go and do blessing and he got in touch these people got in touch and they said we've just got married we've moved into our new house it's all lovely our first night we were sitting at the dining room table it was lovely and then there was a lady in black in the corner of the room and she looked at us and we looked at her and she walked out into the hall and then she disappeared can you come and he went yes yes certainly i can but i'm about to go on holiday so um when i get back i'll get in touch and we can absolutely that's fine and by the time he gets back from his holiday he gets in touch with them and they say well do you know what actually there might not be so much rush because we've done some research and we think we've worked out who she is and she um was a lady who lived in the house for years her husband died much long before she did so she lived in the house as a widow for a long time um and we have seen her a few more times since but actually the feeling that we get from her is not is not unpleasant if anything she feels more like a sort of protective um kind of personality and she yeah. tends to appear if there's someone new in the house. If someone comes for the first time, that's when she appears. And it seems like she's kind of checking out that this person, she senses someone new. She checks that, comes to see that they're like friendly. And then that's mm-hmm. okay. And then she goes away again. And the fact that they knew who she was and they knew a bit of her story and that this the, the, the vibe of her presence had changed, they were like, no, that's that's fine. Actually, we're, we'll keep her, kind of. And... I, I love this because that is absolutely the perfect ghost, isn't it? She turns up when you yeah. have new people in the house so they can see her <laughs> and then she disappears off and that's fine. Gives them Gives once them over, once goes, over and, yep, uh... you're all good. Off I go. But what would she do if they were uh, Oh, well, now this is why I tell this story at the end of Ghost Forks, because I want to send people off with a happy <laughs> feeling that most ghosts out there are just doing their own thing. They're not really concerned with us or they could be nice and protective. You've just undermined that feeling in one fell swoop. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, at least you'd know, but I, you know. Yeah. Oh, not... Well. Have you ever had a ghostly experience? No. I'm sure we've I've asked this with Emily before. No. No, no I, the, the weirdest thing I've had, which is not in any way, really, I, I don't like kind of horror films and zombies and things. I just, I don't like that at all. And I did have a dream one time that was a really vivid dream that I was doing a ghost walk in the city. And then there was a zombie type thing following the group oh, around no. on no, my no. ghost walk. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds kind of comic, but it was, it was really unpleasant. And that, that did kind of spook me out a bit for a while because it felt a bit like, oh, I've been going around the city telling stories about these people that... Now, now we're coming yeah, back exactly. to you. It's like ghost stories, you know, they're a lot of them over the years, they might have changed gradually and someone's exaggerated mm-hmm. and someone else has written it down. And then it's just... So, you know, there might be ghosts out there who are quite cross at the way they're being represented. Yeah. And... I kind of had a bit like, but it was just a dream, but it was very vivid. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know if I've told this story before. I I might have done. And if I have, then listeners, please uh, (laughs) fast forward or or tell me whatever. Um, I've I've not had anything myself, but I 
once many years ago when I was a tour manager um, and I was taking groups of American school kids around the UK and Europe and all sorts of stuff, we were down at a hotel in a place called Caution mm-hmm. near Bath and it is called the Methew in Arms. And it's a love... Now, so at the time it was a kind of... Um, these are student groups, so they were not in fancy hotels. They were kind of, you know, sort of catered for lots of people and it was you know it was it was fine it was it was perfectly nice and the village was gorgeous and the kids loved it and but now since it's had a massive refurb and I went there recently and was like I thought I because I remember booking in it was I was on a job and I and I booked in I thought I I remembered this name and I thought it was this one and they said oh yeah we've completely refurbed it and it's, okay. it's gorgeous now yeah. absolutely gorgeous anyway um it was it, I think it used to be a nunnery or part mm-hmm. of it used to be a nunnery and the room that they used to have as the dining room when I was first there with the students uh, had a bowling alley down the mm-hmm. back. Okay. Like a skittle yep. alley kind of thing. Because the nuns um, do like a we... bit of bowling. Because <laughs> No, that's the... Well, you never know. They've yeah, got to do something, yeah, yeah. haven't they? You can't pray all day. Um, <laughs> um, but we'd we'd gone... We had two nights there. And I remember after the first night, someone said to me, are there any ghosts here? And I said, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'll ask. And, and I asked and... And they said, oh, yeah, there's um, there's the ghost of two children, a boy and a girl. And they're often seen at the Skittle Alley at the end. Um, and sometimes in other places around the okay. the hotel. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, fine. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them that. But I won't tell yeah, them until yeah. tomorrow after we've left. And so as we were leaving, I got on the on the coach on the front of the microphone. And, and I said, so some of you asked, is the hotel haunted? And yes, uh, yeah. I've been told it is. And I told them the story about the little children. And one of the girls oh. just went white just absolutely I literally like to see the ghost and when we had a stop or wherever we were going her mum came up to me and she said when you said that about the ghosts I'm getting getting, like (laughs) ghost pops on my neck thinking about this she said my daughter remembered waking up in the night and seeing a little boy and a little girl on the end of her bed and they looked at her and she went back to sleep and then she thought in the morning that she dreamed it and when you said that, she realised yeah. she hadn't dreamt it. And because uh, I remember after the first night as well, someone had said, one of the mums had come and said, is there any way that my daughter's room, we, we could get a change? Because um, there's a, a young child in the room next to her who's been crying all night oh. and she needs, yeah, yeah. And she can't get any sleep. And I went to the front desk and said, is there any way we can do that? And they said, well, your students are the youngest in. And they, yeah, they yeah. were like 14, 15, 16. There's no and crying. so that's when I asked yeah. if it was haunted. And so, yeah, that's what we, we think it was. was the Because they said that, yeah. yeah, they're often heard crying as well. So, Ooh. yeah. So I've never had anything, but that was yeah. that was quite a... Yeah, quite I think, one. I think... Ooh. Well, I don't... I don't know what I think about ghosts, but I know that there are plenty of people who genuinely have, mm. you know, seen stuff or think they've seen stuff whatever and that there isn't an obvious explanation there isn't an easy other explanation you know there's some stories yeah. you're like yeah, yeah okay so the candle blew out in the middle of the night that's not that's not a ghost <laughs> kind of. yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's yeah, other that's, that's stories you're like oh no okay so that's quite hard to explain yeah so i know yeah oh yeah i'm kind of the same i i, I don't really know yeah but, anyway but that was the story of joseph yes. Ellis. so there we go Ooh. That's this year's Halloween one. Yay! It does um does make visiting St James's Palace slightly less appealing, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very glad I didn't know that story before uh, when I went there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Well, before we um leave you, my darlings, 
Um, don't forget that on the 6th of November, which is um, just under two weeks away, the Imperial War Museum, Shribani Basu, is doing a talk on Noor Inayat Khan. Please come. I know some of you have emailed already to say uh, that you're coming, which would be great. I'm so looking forward to seeing you. If you do come, drop us a message. Let us know you're going to be there. We'll meet you for a drink. Um, and then we'll probably all tootle around the exhibition together as well. Um, but it's going to be great. So, like, we've got no skin in the game on this other than... <laughs> We love her and we want you to come with us. Um, so please, if you're coming, do let us know. It'd be lovely to see as many of you there as we can. Um, yeah, anything from you, Fee, before we... No. Oh, oh, we're just restarting for the winter. Oh, oh. Uh, the lure of the underground. Ooh, yeah. Uh, which is uh, one of the uh, London Walks walks that we do. It, it's too hot in the summer. It's not nice. So, But in the winter, perfect mm. because it's mostly underground. So we go on the trains. We talk about the history of the engineering and the graphics and the all the i'm gonna come on that yeah come come so it's um it's on a tuesday morning every week every week it's not me every week it'll be me about every once a month okay uh, but if it's not me it's his other equally lovely guides um who is it anyone we know it is well people you know uh Anne marie well actually do you know Anne marie I... craven nope no, okay. She's she's um, blue badge and Lovely. did the city course the same time as me, or maybe Westminster is okay. Oh, frig- oh, long time ago now. One of the two. Uh, it's city city course, right? I think. Anyway, um, Steve Shemansky. Oh yeah, yeah. And Aaron Aaron Hunter. Oh, fabulous. We've had so Aaron Hunter us. on this podcast. He came on and talked about um, dinosaurs. Well, now hang on. Was it Mary Anning or was it? Oh yeah. It was Mary Anning, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Many, many moons ago. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's, yes. I want to say the word paleontologist. Is that? Is that? He is. He's yeah. a paleontologist. So, which obviously fossils mostly live underground until they appear sometimes. <laughs> so, so you know, all things underground. <laughs> all things fossils underground. or tube trains. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Aaron Hunter really sees the light of day. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> and for the first few times I ever shared, a couple of times I shared jobs with him, always tipped with rain absolutely belted down it became quite a notable feature so actually also walks underground perfect perfect um so when do they start yep so they start um on the 7th of november which is the first oh first so if you're coming Tuesday to town yeah you're coming to town to see come uh, for the monday night on the, on the monday stay night over. stay and come and you're doing that one the seventh no oh right fine no steve well, uh, but I'm <laughs> a doing, poor imitation. I think I'm doing the 14th and the 21st oh. of November. So either of those come and come Lovely. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, gang. Have a wonderful Halloween. Don't have nightmares. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks. Yay! Take care, lovelies. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.